I would like to welcome you to this special edition of the Guerrilla Project Management podcast, an interview with Nicolas Sula, a global project manager with more than 15 years of experience implementing large systems in more than 30 countries in Latin America, North America, Europe, and Asia Pacific. I attended Nicolas' presentation earlier this year and invited him to share with us his experience from a global rollout of Oracle Enterprise Resource Planning System Implementation in Latin America. Nicholas is also a system engineer with an MBA degree. He is highly experienced in globalization, localization, and local tax and regulations. He is also fluent in four languages, English, Spanish, Italian, and Portuguese. So without any further delays, Here's my interview with Nicholas. All right, uh, Nicholas, I want to thank you so much for joining me and uh, telling us a little bit about your project in the area of global rollouts. This is a very important topic that uh, people are asking about. So my first question, Nicholas, is give us a little bit of a background on the uh, scope of the project that you implemented in South America. Okay, thank you so much for the invitation. Um, Yes, just to give you a general idea, um, we did an implementation of Oracle Release 12. We did it for a company based here in the U.S. It's a company mainly um, in the area of uh, telecommunication. They have also some branches in uh, Latin America. And part of the scope of our process was because the company was looking for some support to the Latin region. It's one of the regions that is uh, the biggest grow in their um, business right now. They also were looking for a rapid implementation. I mean, they have a, a very rapid grow in their company, and they want to have a, an outstanding tool that will provide support to that growth they are having in their business. They wanted to have consultants that are experts in the area. And to focus exactly on the modules in Oracle that we have implemented, they are uh, the GL, accounts payables, accounts receivable, cash management, purchasing, project accounting, fit assets, I procurement, I expenses, inventory, and we also included for them the localization uh, for some of the countries we did in Latin America. The main countries we have done so far are Mexico, Brazil, and we are at least including in this part of the implementation all the base uh, global and local uh, functionality for other countries that will probably move forward in uh, Latin America, like, for example, maybe Chile or Colombia later on. Nicholas, what was the business drivers for the project? Mainly, um, they were looking for something that was uh, able to accelerate opening new markets, as I just mentioned before, they are looking probably to enter in new markets, especially in Latin America, in Asia. And then if they have a an, an top-class ERP that will allow them to uh, take and support this uh, rapid growth they are having in their business, uh, it will provide very good um, results to the entire organization. The other thing was they wanted to establish some kind of a standard what we normally call is like the footprint or blueprint is since they already have implemented in the U.S. and now Mexico was like the initial um, 
release 12 uh, deployment that they have done, they wanted to create some kind of standard process in the support area, in the implementation area, and in some of the key um, business process to create that kind of, uh, uh, of common area among all the affiliates that they are having throughout the world. The other reason was they wanted to leverage some of the expertise. They have very good uh, capabilities, people very smart and very uh, prone to, uh, to good uh, business process. They want to take advantage of that, and then I think it was probably a good moment and a good time to uh, move forward with this uh, release to our implementation. I understand that uh, from your earlier answer that you selected Oracle. Why Oracle was the best choice in this particular project? Yes, uh, Oracle, um, they, they did some analysis many years back, and they finally decided going with Oracle. Um, the, the main reason probably was more um, easy to adapt to what is their core businesses. As I mentioned, it's in the telecommunication area. They did an implementation of 11i for the U.S. company. Now, as I mentioned, we are doing the implementation of Release 12 for Mexico, Brazil, and probably later on we'll move forward to other countries, especially Latin America and probably in Asia. Mm -hmm. What about the uh, methodology that you followed? Our methodology is uh, we normally use what we call is the rapid approach, or, or we just always wanted to make sure that we we wear the, the cloth or the, the shoes that our users are wearing, just to make sure we really understand the reality. Uh, the way we have started our, our process was we created, and we normally use some standard predefined questionnaire that they uh, comprise pretty much the key questions on each one of the business areas. We send those questionnaires to the super users or key users we have identified in each one of the core business areas of our process. We explain a little bit to them what are the questionnaires, the, the scope, and the goal that we are trying to get out of those questionnaires. Then we receive the questionnaires back from the users. We review the information they send back, and then we schedule some kind of like a conference call individual per area and then in like a cross-business area to make sure that what is really uh, affecting one single model is at the same time affecting uh, cross-flow models. And then at that point when we did the, the calls with the end users, we wanted to make sure that whatever was asked in the questionnaire was understood and whatever was answer in the questionnaires was also understood from us. I mean, we just wanted to close any gaps, any miscommunication in those uh, questionnaires and answers. And then at that point, with that information, we uh, created our initial CRP1 environment. Uh, the CRP1 was created mainly by the implementation team. We also included, other than the process they have sent us, a little bit of uh, recommendations based on the, um, the company's footprint that they want to roll out uh, globally. And then based on this, we went and, and created the CRP1. The CRP1, I need to mention, we brought the users from the different regions into the headquarters here in the U.S. 
we just consolidated all that knowledge from all the user, and then the implementation team demonstrated, based on the feedback from the questionnaires, what was the, the process that we understood and the way that we can translate that process into the Oracle world. And then we showed them different areas, like, for example, entering POs, requisitions, uh, invoices. Uh, we did a lot of emphasis in the local requirement, for example, in Brazil. We went to the detail of integrated receiving or special localization to make sure that we are really understanding and we are really covering in the Oracle world whatever is needed for the business process. After we completed the CRP1, we took all that um, feedback, we got from the users clarifications, we did some tweaks in the setups, adjustments, and then we created a new environment where we um, have uh, moved forward with the new setups and we call it CRP2, it's the conference room pilot number two. In conference room pilot number two, we just switch roles. Instead of the implementation team presenting and demonstrating the application, we had the users to just play with the system, make sure they really understand the system, they feel comfortable, and as part of the process between uh, CRP1 and CRP2, we have uh, some kind of uh, some training we did uh, to, to the users just to make sure they really understand navigation, they understand uh, the way they can work through Oracle, just uh, the, the basic knowledge. That way when they get into CRP2, they can easily move forward and then start playing with their testing. After we completed CRP2, it was the opportunity for the user to uh, verify and confirm that everything was working fine. Then we give them the, the, the final like specific requirements they have to sign off. And based on that feedback, we are just providing the full um, freeze requirement. We have the final information on requirements. And after that, with that final information on requirements, we have moved to what we call is the final user acceptance test environment. The user acceptance test environment is like the final pre-production environment. It's just like the simulation or final verification before production to make sure that their users and the company can run their local business in Oracle. Based on the uh, UAT feedback, then we go through the um, high-level managers, the core business, and then we get the final information for the go, no-go decision. And then finally, we move to the go live, and then with the go live, we just provide normally one month of post-production support. Okay. Before we move to the next phase of the project, give us an overview of how you structured the company or the organization um, or the overall solution among divisions and uh, regions uh, for, for this business? They are a, a company, as I mentioned, it's a telecommunication company. They are based here in the, in the U.S. They have uh, different affiliates. For example, they have uh, the main core applications, uh, or, sorry, business is in, in Latin America and in Asia. They have presence here in Mexico, Brazil, and in Asia, for example, they have a big presence in India, um, other countries like um, Malaysia, 
Singapore, and they are mainly working on um, on telecommunication company. I mean, they offer services, they offer goods. Uh, they have different. The, the 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 main core process of business for them is here in the U.S. In the U.S., probably they are the lead market. They are maybe like 50% of the entire revenue of the company is uh, generated here in the U.S. Maybe around 30% of this will be generated in Latin America, and the rest will be through Africa and Asia Pac. So did you have uh, multiple instances of Oracle or multiple sites, multiple organizations, multiple companies, or... Uh, how did you structure the actual organization of the company in this system? They have right now, we have uh, multiple instances because they are running the current uh, U.S. Um, process of business. is being run into an 11i instance, but we have the, uh, the new Mexico uh, implementation was done in release 12. We are um, right now creating, in Mexico, we created one, uh, sorry, four legal entities and, and four operating units. We created all that information to provide that detail in the transaction level that was needed for the business uh, core day-to-day -day process. For Brazil, we are creating um, one single legal entity and one operating unit. Uh, in either location, we are creating also inventory organizations, and they are running right now is in a release 12 environment. I think the plan is in the future, probably in the near future, they don't have a specific date, is that they want to uh, bring everything together into a release 12 environment. Okay, talk to us about the global setup of the application. Okay, the global setup of the application, as I mentioned before, probably we were just going through the, um, the main implementation we have done. It was for um, like uh, GL, AP, AR, PO, project accounting, fixed asset, and inventory purchasing, I procurement, I expenses. Um, we also have the use, uh, the advantage of the new release 12. Um, we are using, for example, in the cases, as I mentioned before, we are using multiple legal entities, multiple operating units, but we are only using one single responsibility. That's one of the new features of Release 12, that you can only use one single responsibility, but access multiple operating units. You can just switch, but have as a, as a define, as a default, one particular operating unit that you're going to be uh, transacting the most. Um, we also took a lot of advantage of the new subledger accounting. We did a couple of rules that are uh, driving our accounting generation throughout the different modules. We created a couple of, uh, I would say, custom reports that were related mainly to the local um, documents that are used, like uh, invoices or purchase orders that have been sent to vendors. Um, and then we did, um, for example, we have multiple set of books. In the case of Brazil, in Brazil we needed to have a statutory uh, chart of account, and then we incorporated a secondary set of book that is just for local reporting. And then on top of that, for specific legal requirements to be transmitted to the local government, we have used a third-party tool 
In this case, uh, we have uh, selected Synchron. Synchro is a tool that is being used to send electronically the information to the local authorities in Brazil. In our case, we did what they call is the, the SPED fiscal, that is the um, fiscal information that is sent to the local authorities, and we did the SPED contable, that is the electronic information to be sent in regards to your financial and accounting information. That's the information, the synchro hooks uh, directly to Oracle. Uh, Release 12 is kind of like a standard or natural connection. You have to do some work there to make it connect. You have to create kind of like a mapping. Uh, but we have very good teams, and the results were very, very, very good. What I'm curious about, Nicholas, now, if we can cover lessons that you guys have learned, especially in the area of globalization, localization, and tax issues. I would say one of the, the main lessons learned, and I, I probably I can talk a little bit about this, but I also got a lot of feedback from, from our customers and probably from some people that it was maybe the first time for them doing a global implementation. Uh, um, I mean, this is a, a personal also experience for me that I come from Latin America. Uh, sometimes, and I, as I mentioned to you before, sometimes we need to also put in the side of the user and understand exactly what they're looking for. Making and using a consultant or a, a, a part of your implementation team Somebody that speaks the local language, it may be Spanish, it may be Portuguese, it may be French. Uh, if you have somebody in your team that at least is able to communicate in the natural language, I think that's a very good plus. And then that's something that, that we have in our team, but we, we at least notice in, in some of the areas when we do not have uh, one of the, our members that speak the local language, it was a little bit more complicated to really get the, the trust from these people and get the full communication from, from the people. That's one of the things. Another thing was uh, I think we need to train more, 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 and more, and earlier. I mean, even though um, we did a lot of good training between CRP1 and CRP2, we did some navigations during CRP1, we need to train a little bit more because the more we train and the more interaction the user have with the system before we go to a, a final UAT and a production go live, the better the user will be prepared for that go live time. I mean, I, I know that we did a very good job, but I think is the feedback that even though we did that, we have to do more and more and more training. We also wanted to, uh, in regards to the localizations, um, we did a very good approach, for example, is in uh, taking, we did not implement any language patch because I think we realized that we get a little bit more complicated, especially for maintenance purposes. Uh, what we have done there is that uh, we have used, is apply the language patches only in a development environment extract from them what are the, um, the local reports in the local language and then move them into the production instance and then just use any standard report from Oracle that are available in Spanish, Portuguese, or any local language as required by the local authorities in that country. I mean, I think that was a very good plus. We have some issues for some specific users that sometimes they need to use the application in English and they are not too familiar with English. 
but I think overall we have a very good um, feedback at the end because after a few months with the applications, the user get used to the language, but there's a big benefit of not using the, the language. One question about that. Basically, all the users in Latin America use the English version of the application. The, what was the reason for that, or what what was the previous experiences or problems that you guys ran into that you that the company decided to go this route? Yes, uh, one of the main reasons is because there is a general practice in the company that they run their business in English worldwide. They have a very good level of users, I would say pretty much like uh, at least in the finance department and procurement department, I would say like uh, maybe like 70% of the, the employees, they speak English or they have at least very good understanding of English. And I think that was uh, one of the reasons they decided to move forward. There were some issues, for example, like in the manufacturing areas or at least in like receipt or procurement area. Some people, they are not too familiar with English, and we have some pushback from those areas. But I think the main reason that the company decided not to move forward with the language patch application was because um, it's a lot of maintenance. Every time, for example, if you have an issue in, in let's say, in, in, in the form of creating a payment in AP, you have to apply the, the solution patch in English because it's the base language plus X number of times depending on the number of languages you have installed. For example, if you have the issue in Spanish, you have to apply the new patch in English, in Spanish, but you also have Portuguese, French, you have to apply the same patch for that single thing. And then that multiplies the maintenance time, and if for any reason sometimes you need to go to a downtime of your application because you need to apply patches, that brings probably the downtime uh, to a bigger window. And then that probably is one of the risks that they have evaluated. Um, that was probably, I would say, the, the driven factor that they have decided not to go with the language patches. And then right now they're just moving forward. And the, the other thing that they is probably was considered that why we need a language patch was probably just to use the legal communication we need to use with the local authorities and the main communication there are the mm. reports. And we found a workaround, a pretty much, I would say, standard workaround to implement the language patch in a development instance, take those reports from there, define them as a custom report in our English production instance, and use them. And when you print the report, it prints in Spanish or in Portuguese. I think that was probably the main reason they decided that. One question about that. So do you think this approach can be adopted by other companies as well? Or are there, do you think, companies that this approach will not work for? Yes, I agree on that. I think this is, I mean, this approach, I think it worked very good for this company. It have worked very good for other companies, but I don't think it's probably 100% uh, general solution or is something that every single company has to follow. I think there are a few other things that we need to consider. For example, if you have a company that it has a very good number of users that are in the manufacturing area or in the receiving shipping area that they have zero knowledge of English, or for example, like countries like in Asia and China, Japan, that they have their own um, local characters, 
Uh, it's going to be difficult for somebody that has no idea mm-hmm. about English. They, they're going to be a lot of frustration and a lot of pushback in an implementation if you have uh, this kind mm-hmm. of solution. I think sometimes for those kind of company, uh, probably it's a very good option to just adopt the process of taking the pain of applying multiple languages, but at least taking the benefits that they can use the application in a different language. Talk to us about the tax issues. Yes, the tax issue, for example, in the case of Mexico, there was no big issue. Um, In the case of Mexico, we went through standard Oracle e-business tax. It was very easy to configure e-business tax, and it was pretty much accomplished what the business required for the business uh, in Mexico. Now, for Brazil, it was a little bit different. Um, We needed to do a little bit more of investigation because uh, we are also doing investigation for other areas, other countries, other regions. And we did some evaluations of uh, different third-party tools. For example, we evaluated Vertex. We evaluated Sebrit. And, of course, we evaluated standard Oracle business tasks. Now... In the case of Brazil, uh, Brazil is a very complex country for uh, tax legislation. We evaluated different options, different scenarios, uh, analyzing, for example, products, services, uh, states, intrastate, reduced rate, tax substitution, many different variables that are really affecting the, the taxation in Brazil. Now, at the end, end up to being uh, probably uh, easier than we expect because um, our company in, in Brazil is mainly uh, selling services, and then that makes things a little bit easier. It's a little bit more complex when you have companies that are selling services and products, or mainly products, because that adds a lot of complexity and variables to the tax uh, outcome or tax determination. At the end, in our case, we decided to move forward with the e-business tax and the Latin tax engine. And uh, we have that as a solution. Um, So far, it's it's working okay. I think it can cover fine. But my recommendation is for other companies, uh, as a general solution, is to explore. uh, And especially if you already have a third-party tax engine, for example, like uh, Vertex, Sebrits uh, or, or even Tatsware that you're already using in another region, for example, in the U.S. or in Europe, uh, probably will be a very good option to explore using that also in Brazil because also you can keep as a standard global solution for your company uh, that particular solution for your tax engine. Okay, in our case, it was, was easier and we just moved forward with, with Oracle e-business tax and Latin tax engine. What other lessons learned have you guys gained from this project? Yeah, the other thing I would say probably is is very key and important to have a super user, uh, especially sometimes I will call like a regional super user, to make sure that we have somebody that when there are questions, concerns, or decisions to be made, we have that key role person from the company uh, that can just make a decision and move forward. Uh, for example, like a very, specifically in global implementations, that you want to facilitate your support going forward and you want to standardize a little bit the processes, 
it's good to have this key, very strong role in super user to make sure that pretty much, I would say, all the countries are following the same rules. Of course, we need to consider the local requirements and statutory processes. But as much as we can, we need to use that standard process. We also need to uh, emphasize that we need to have regional uh, support people that really help among each other. For example, if somebody in, in Chile or somebody in Colombia or somebody in uh, Argentina are having an issue, they can probably just call their sibling in the other countries, okay, see what is the solution that they are using or how they fit that particular problem they have. And if they are not able to, to really solve it at the regional level, then they can escalate probably to the next level that that will be probably the headquarters support team. And if the headquarters support team is not able, they move to the uh, maybe the Oracle support team. And then that's probably one of the ways that, that you can leverage uh, local knowledge to the regional level and then to the final headquarters and corporate level. I think that's, that's very key. And also when you are doing training, the implementation team has the very good knowledge about Oracle about experience probably in other projects, but we also need somebody uh, very knowledgeable from the business that understand their own company process and can help us to translate to the end user how their business process in the company can translate and can fit into the Oracle work or how uh, the Oracle work can probably adapt without changing any functionality or any core standard functionality to what the business requires. I think that's a very uh, liaison people or, or, or bridge people that can really help us to make sure things are achieved and it's a very successful project. Uh, Nicholas, what is next for you? Okay, uh, next for me right now, I'm, I'm working right now, I moved to uh, a different project, always working in the global uh, arena. We are doing a, a great implementation right now is for a pharmaceutical company. They are mainly related in the health business. We are also um, supporting them and assess them in the areas of uh, global implementation. Their plan is to implement Oracle Release 12.1.1. They have right now businesses in, uh, their core business is in Australia. They want to do also implementations in Latin America, mainly Brazil and Argentina. They also want to do implementations here in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. And they have a lot of business presence in Europe. And then right now, um, we are supporting in this project uh, mainly in the assessment area. Right now, we are just doing gathering all the information with the users. That, that's one of the areas that we really provide a lot of help because we are really identifying what are the core business processes, what are the uh, key areas that we can probably highlight for the companies and make sure that they have a very accurate project plan, a very accurate budget estimation, and very accurate and precise uh, resources that can provide to them a very successful project. Well, that sounds very exciting. And uh, I want to make sure our listeners can uh, reach you if they have more questions about this topic. What's the best way our listeners can contact you, Nicholas? 
Sure. And again, thank you. Uh, the name of my company is uh, Sagat Group, LLC. We are a company that are based in Florida. Uh, we are doing a lot of, especially uh, Latin American implementations. We do a lot of global implementations, especially in Europe, providing a lot of uh, tax support there. And uh, our company has very good professionals uh, in the Oracle arena. Uh, experience, they speak the language, uh, especially myself, I speak uh, English, Italian, Spanish, and Portuguese. And most of the people that work with me, they also multi-language. Um, my contact number, you can reach me on, on my phone number is 954-296-6646. Or my email address is uh, n as in Nicholas, Sula, S-U-L-L-A, at sagatsgroup.com. And Sagas, it's uh, S-A-G-A-X-G-R-O-U-P.com. Correct. All right, Nicholas, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about lessons learned from large global rollouts. And I look forward to connecting with you and talking to you more in the near future. Perfect. Again, thank you so much for the invitation. It was a really pleasure for me to talk and discuss this in a very good level. And I'm still open for any further invitation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nicholas. We would love to hear your thoughts on this topic. Visit us at www.guerrillaprojectmanagement.com and leave your comments. Thank you everyone for tuning in to this edition of the Guerrilla Project Management Podcast.